book of Esther and uh, chapter number 2, we'll read one verse as an introduction. The Bible said, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vastai. I want to preach to you for a few moments uh, on this subject, Esther, a type of faith. All types in the Bible break down at some point. Uh, they are true in measure or fraction, but they're still types. And so as we look at Esther, I'm sure you're going to see her in a different light and have seen her in a different light and continue to do so, but I have visualized her, I have seen her as a, a very good type of faith. I'm not going to try to give you a definition of faith this morning. I, there are some words that it seems as though that definitions fail. Uh, all I can tell you is I, if you have experienced faith, you know what faith is without a definition. To try to explain grace. If you've never experienced grace, I can give you all the definitions I've ever heard. You still won't know what grace is. And so it is with faith. But there are several things that jump out from her life that seem to suggest to me what faith is all about. Now, you know the story of the book of Esther, how that Vashti refused to go before the king as a result, there was a wife that was sought for the king as he rejected Vashti, and out of all the women of the kingdom, Esther was uh, select, selected and loved. She had a first cousin whose name was Mordecai, and uh, Mordecai happened to uh, find out that two of the keepers of the gate intended on uh, killing the king. They were going to be assassins. And so he revealed that matter before the king's uh, cabinet. There was also another man there by the name of Haman. And uh, you know how Haman was promoted in the sight of the king and uh, how he had great influence over the legislation of the land. And it was he who hated Mordecai because as he rode in with all of his honor before the people, Everyone bowed before him except for one man, and that was Mordecai, refusing to bow to him. He went before the king and argued his case against Mordecai, but not only Mordecai, he said all of Mordecai's people, which were the Jews, that he desired to have them killed or slain on a certain day, and there was a writing that was sent forth throughout the provinces. This is where our character comes into being by the name of Esther. And you know how that Mordecai spoke. He could not speak directly to the king. He had to speak through Esther who had access to the king. This is where I have my foundational type as a type of faith because we have access to God, not personally, but through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Mordecai proceeded to go to the king through Esther. And of course... Through a series of events, the Jews were delivered, Mordecai was delivered because of Esther standing 
before the king. Now, if there was a characterization of this, I guess we could look at Ahasuerus as the king on the throne, a type of God with the scepter of grace extended to those who would come into his presence. Haman would represent Satan himself who continually accuses the brethren before God. Mordecai would be that steadfast, unswerving Christian who refuses to bow and to bend to the gods of this world. And then Esther would be a type of faith because she again was Mordecai's only access to the throne. Now having said that, let me mention some types of which I believe that Esther, just for a few moments, is a type of faith. First of all, I would point out to you that Esther is a type of faith through her obscurity. Chapter 2 and verse number 10, the Bible said that Esther had not shown her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. In other words, she did not reveal that she was a Jew. No one knew anything of her past or her backing as she married or was married to the king. But she was obscure. This was going to be a very desperate hour in the very plan of God in the preservation of his people. And Satan was working to bring down the very annihilation of all of God's people and that in doing so he would do away even with the promised seed. But God had a plan, and this plan was a plan of faith. And unbeknownst to anybody upon the scene, there was a little girl, a little girl, a, a tiny girl amidst all of the hordes of women and men in that land that God had chosen and weaved her in to the throne room so that she would have access to the king and to the very heart of the king. But you see, she was a very obscure young lady and that no one knew who she was, no one knew what great influence and what great part that she would play in the history of God Almighty, a very obscure little girl. Well, as I thought of that, I thought about the obscurity of faith. You know one of the reasons why I don't put a lot of stock in a lot of this TV uh, faithism? is because it's too apparent. You, you can see it. I mean, it's just too open. The guy comes up, you know what he's going to do. He's the big cheese. He's going to hit somebody in the head. They're going to fall back. They're going to raise him back up. And they're supposedly... It's too obvious. Faith is never obvious. It's obscured. You don't know where it's coming from. No one knew that Christ was going to be born in that little stable. It was not obvious. No one knew anything about Elijah who would come as a deliverer in the day of Ahab. It was not obvious. No one knew that little David would walk down in that valley that day with all of those soldiers with a sling and a stone and kill a giant and deliver Israel. It was not obvious. Never in Scripture is it obvious where faith is going to come from, but I assure you faith will come and God will always use this faith. It is very obscure. I don't want to use, I, I, I say mystique, there is something mysterious about faith and that you can't pinpoint it. 
You can't point out who's got it and who ain't got it and when it's going to show up and where it's going to show up. It is so obscure. One of the greatest illustrations of that to me is when Jacob, his sons, came home to tell him that Joseph was alive and on the throne. They had all the wagons behind them, all the evidences. But you know how low down and, and scoundrelous they were? And when they came in before the daddy and they said, Daddy, after 22 years they had lied to him and said, Joseph is dead. They said, Joseph is alive and he's on the throne. And, and, and the scripture reveals that it made his heart even more heavy and he would not believe them. He said, No, no, no. You've lied enough to me. I cannot believe this. And in this disbelief somehow he no doubt turns around and the Bible said when he saw the wagons all of a sudden faith ignited in him and the Bible said he knew that Joseph was alive faith come alive within him they continued to try to convince him but convincing time was over faith had done took hold didn't have to prove to him anything now. He was a believer. But faith was obscured. It just happened. It just ignited within him. God, I can take you to the very place where faith now ignited within my soul. Though I may have heard, yet I did not believe, but somehow, some way, faith exploded within me. And here I am this morning, out of nowhere, obscurity, faith is speaking. Obscure, the obscurity of faith. If a man seems to be evidently so much a man of faith, he's probably not. If a ministry seems evidently so much a ministry of faith, it's probably not. Probably not because it is so obscure. The obscurity of faith. But then the second thing I want to point out to you concerning this subject of faith, how Esther is a type of faith, not only the obscurity of faith, but notice the simplicity of faith. The simplicity of faith. Verse number 15 of chapter number 2. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing. But what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all of them that looked upon her. <laughs> well, you know what happened. You know what happened. And all of these women, it came their turn to go into the king. I tell you, they put on all the makeup they could put on. I don't blame them. They fixed the, you know, the, they, they did, they did a, I mean, a complete overhaul. I mean, they want to look good. <laughs> but you wasn't seeing them. You seeing what they wanted to be. Huh? When I look at you this morning, I'm not looking at faith. I'm looking at religion at its best. You look good this morning. You intended on looking good this morning. I'm not seeing you as you really are, and thank God I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to either. <laughs> your, your children and your wives and those are they see that. 
when it came Esther's turn, she was as faith. When she came in before the king, she said, No, I don't think I'll take the fancy dress. I don't believe I'll care for the man. I think I'll just go in like I am. But I'm going to tell you something. When she went in before the king just like she was, the king got exactly what he saw. He didn't have to worry about what she's going to look like the next morning. He saw it all that time without all of the garb. This is the simplicity of faith. Faith doesn't try to dress itself up. Faith doesn't try to become something. Faith doesn't try to overwhelm everybody. Faith doesn't try to impress everybody. Faith says, just as I am God. This is the simplicity of faith that is so simple before God. I heard uh, Jimmy Rose, a missionary to Brazil, talk about going to a, preaching a meeting while he's in the States and driving back all night. said he's just about to sleep and he turned on the radio and said there was a colored preacher that was preaching. And he's preaching on everybody wants to be loved by somebody. And he gave an illustration, you know, and he said, just like that woman said, she walks down the aisle, said, she's so pretty, and said, boy, you're just overwhelmed. But says that night, says she takes her wigs off and said, she about has a heart attack. Said she wipes that makeup off and you just about faint. And says she takes that girdle off and that figure eight turns into a big zero. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> I assure you this was not what Esther was going to do. <laughs> I'm afraid that a lot of what we claim as faith is nothing more than a big zero. <laughs> when, you, when you take all the girdle off, they ain't much at it. <laughs> the simplicity of faith. God, you know who I am. You know what I am. You know me, God, you know me. But the Bible said she's the one the king loved. He loves the simplicity of faith. We want everybody to know that we're First Baptists. We want everybody to know how far we're growing and how much our offering is. We want everybody to know who we are. We want everything to look fabulous and glamorous and we want to compete with the world. When Jesus did his greatest works, he said, Don't tell anybody! simplicity of faith. Faith is so simple. The obscurity of faith, the simplicity of faith. But then, I think about uh, chapter number 4 and verse number 10 and 11. I want to speak to you a minute about the harmony of faith. We've got a misconception of faith. Now, I can't tell you all that faith is, but I can tell you some things that faith ain't. You know, when we have the uh, Olympics, you hear that word so much in the Olympics. You just got to have faith in yourself. Just believe in yourself that you can achieve. I have believed. And everybody thinks that's what faith is. Faith is you convincing yourself that you can do something and then doing it upon the energy of that faith that you convince yourself of. That's not faith. That is flesh. 
Notice uh, verse number 10. And again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. Mordecai told her, said, just go right on into the king. She said, no, it don't work that way. All the king's servants, the people of the king's provinces, do know whatsoever and whensoever a man or woman shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. You know what she's saying? I don't just prance in. There is harmony in faith in that faith always lines up with what God wants. Faith is not what you want and what you demand and what you're going to do, but faith is what God wants and what God's going to do. You don't have any faith but what it didn't originate from God Almighty. Faith is in harmony with heaven because it begins in heaven. Several years ago, the Lord showed me the truth of of the workings of God works like electricity. It's in a circuit. You check it out. In every means of, of whether we're talking about grace or whether we're talking about prayer or whether we're talking about faith or whether we're talking about love. All of those things must begin with God. They work in a circuit. They come down in us and through us and go back to God. You didn't think of them. God thought of it first. It wasn't that you wanted it. God wanted it first. And then God moved on you and moved through you to accomplish it. And it came back to his honor and to his glory. I tell you, when Jesus wanted to feed the 5,000 that day, who believed that he could feed the 5,000? We know it to be at least 25,000. Who believed it? His disciples didn't have any faith. They couldn't feed the 5,000. As a matter of fact, they had calculated and counted and they had come to the conclusion that there is no way possible upon the means of which we have that you can feed 25,000 people. Jesus said, tell them to sit down. And then they began to break the bread. Jesus began to break the bread and gave to them, the Bible said, to feed them. And so they began to feed the multitude as he began to break the bread but somehow I do not believe that they yet believed that Jesus could feed that many people and so somehow I think the disciples when they began to pass out that bread they probably did it like this now just get one now you get one now don't let the children get any more now you get one over there you might want to split one <laughs> I think they probably, wouldn't you? They didn't have faith. But I tell you, they went back to faith. They kept growing from faith. He was the embodiment of faith. He believed it. And as they went back and kept growing from faith and getting the substance of faith and passing out faith, I believe by the time they started getting toward the back, they probably said, get a handful. Get you a handful. Take your wife some. You got any neighbors that need any? But I ask you, where'd they get that faith? They got it from him. Because he is faith. And when it was all over with, 
there, they could go home and say, I believe that you can feed 25,000 people with five rolls and two fishes. And I'm telling you why I believe this morning. Not because of myself, but I believe because of his faith. Paul said it's by the faith of the Son of God. It ain't my faith. It's his faith that's been given to me. If there ever was a definition of faith, I don't, I don't know. But my simple definition of faith is, is simply believing what Jesus believes. If you believe that, you've got faith. He believed it could feed a multitude. When it's over with, they believed it too. That's faith. That's harmony. It works down from God. It works back to God. Same way in every other instance. Whether we're talking about prayer. Hannah prayed for a Samuel. But I'm going to ask you something. Who wanted that Samuel the most? God wanted Samuel. He was in God's plan. And God worked it in her heart. <clears throat> That's the harmony. The harmony. The obscurity. The simplicity of this faith. And let me just say the, the victory of this faith. Chapter 9 and verse number 25 and there's several other things that, that we could point out. <clears throat> the Bible said, But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his, that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. The scriptures tell us that faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Through our believing God, everything, not through our self-energies, but through our believing God, and God accomplishes so much. But you know what faith does? It fixes things. <clears throat> it sets them and seals them to where they cannot be any other way but what faith has brought it to. I say to you that Goliath didn't have a chance. Poor fellow, I feel sorry for him when I read the text. I do. Because he doesn't know that you can't hear it. At this point, you can't see it. Lord, if somehow it could be colored that it would appear. Coming across the ridge is coming another giant. He ain't tall, he ain't big, but he's got faith. And God was going to do something through him and the fight was fixed before it began. <laughs> You're going down, boy. You're going down. I'm glad the faith has already fixed this thing. 
It's going to be one way and that's it. God give us the faith to believe it that way too. You know, uh, I close with this thought. I, when I first started out, I thought I had a lot of faith. <laughs> and I don't, uh, the way I see it, I don't have, I don't, well, I just don't have a lot. But here's the thing that enthuses my soul. You don't need much. He said, if you had faith with a grain of mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Honey, what would you do if you had orange faith? This world would be dangerous if you had pumpkin faith. <laughs> Watermelon faith would tear it up. I ain't got much, but I got one need to do the job. Just a little bit. But honey, it don't take but just a little bit of that substance to turn the world upside down. Turn you inside out. And do a majestic work. Believe in God and His Son.